G'day, and welcome to episode 111 of the Pack Heavy Podcast. My name is Hayden Thompson, and today, Crystal Westergaard, who is the founder of Canadian Candy Nostalgia, joins us to chat about the story behind her Alberta-based company and how she has dedicated herself to bringing back some incredibly popular chocolate bars that were previously lost to the history books. So Crystal currently has two SKUs on offer, which are the Cuban Lunch and the Rub and Butter Bar. And there is a soon-to-be-released third historic chocolate on the way, which is yet to be named, which is very exciting. And their chocolates can be found in quite a few retail locations Canada-wide, including Sobeys, IGA, 7-Eleven, and London Drug Stores, to name just a few. Now, our senses and something like the simple taste of a chocolate bar from a childhood long ago really does have the ability to transport us back to those times. And the incredible story of bringing back these once popular chocolate bars and how they offer some comfort to those in their later years is incredibly touching and an amazing thing that Crystal is doing with her business, especially given the fact that the inspiration behind bringing back the Cuban lunch was her mum. Now, her mum sadly passed away very recently. I think it was within the last two weeks. And Crystal, I'd like to genuinely extend my deepest condolences to you and your family and hope that you're finding some peace during this tough time. So Crystal's touching story and conversation today was really, really fun to be a part of. And I think that you will all appreciate her approach to entrepreneurship and business. So let's get on with it. Episode 111 with Crystal Westergaard. Crystal, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's a pleasure. Um, I've been looking forward to this conversation uh, for a while now. Um, you and I jumped on the phone and had a brief chat about, you know, the conversation that we could potentially have. And today's conversation, I believe, is going to be really pitched around the business that you've got operational um, called Canadian Candy Nostalgia and uh, and some of the chocolate bars that you've launched out into the world, which have got quite a bit of a historical sort of um, presence to them. And I'd love to sort of dig into that. But before we kick off into the chat, where are you from? Where did you grow up? I was born in Edmonton, grew up in Edmonton, uh, did a stint uh, for grade 12 uh, in southern Saskatchewan. But right. yeah, prairie girl. Yeah, okay. Cold winters. I guess so. Didn't know any better <laughs> until I had anything else but. So when I was 21 after university, I did go for a year and live in the U.S. Did you? Okay. Where were you in the States? I was in Arkansas, actually, and Bill Arkansas. Clinton was our governor. At the time. Okay. So that was like in the late 80s, the early 90s, was it? Yeah, 1990. Okay. Okay. So that was well before he was president. That's right. That's right. Very good. And uh, what did you study? I studied physical therapy. I'm a That's physical right. therapist. Yes, yeah. I did see that on your LinkedIn. So yeah, you've got a um, a lot of uh, experience in that world. And I also did see that you are a heritage recovery specialist. What does that mean? That's what I call what I do at Cuban Lunch. Okay. So I help people um, recover that piece of their heritage of our shared heritage unreal because if it's not shared it's not going to be profitable yeah yeah, um, yeah but our shared heritage uh when when it comes to chocolate so yeah chocolate wouldn't fit on the linkedin thing so the whole spiel says uh, yeah her- heritage recovery specialist operating in chocolate yeah so, yeah, yeah. Very cool. All right. So a lot to chat about, but let's go back to right to the very, very start of um, the business that you've got operational. Like what sparked the idea? Well, the Cuban lunch was my mom's favorite chocolate bar and uh, was her the love of her life throughout her life. And she um, is now living in care mm-hmm. and it gets tough to find something positive and something to bring to, I've got to provide all the conversation. She doesn't mm. think of her own pieces of okay. conversations. So I thought, yeah. I'll bring my mom that chocolate bar she loves so. Mm. Um, and again, because I am, we've seen from my background, like absolutely Jane Doe ordinary person. I did not 
know anything about the food production world. So the idea that something that was in the hearts of hundreds of thousands, Canadians, probably millions, I had no idea that something that we held so dear could be a thing that wasn't actually out there to be bought anymore. Mm. That some arbitrary food production manager at some place far, far away could just go, oh, hmm, nix that and put a line through it. And that would be the end of a chocolate bar that people had eaten since before World War II. I, I really thought I was going to find that chocolate bar right, right, for right. my mom. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot tied into that. So, you know, essentially what you were saying is this was your mom's favorite chocolate bar growing up and you just wanted to bring a little bit of her past to her present and, you know, awaken that memory in her and, and provide her with some comfort and, and happiness. And you went out to look for this chocolate and you couldn't find it. No, all I found was more people looking for it. Right. More and more and more until I'm just like, okay, these are just the people who are on the internet. Mm. I mean, there's people <laughs> who are mature and aren't even on the internet who are pining for this, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. So it was just, this is, this is a real, I, I'm not imagining things. Everyone does love this chocolate bar. Surely there's something in it to bringing it back. We can get every kind of kitschy, weird food yep. out there why yep. can't we just have a chocolate bar we all know and want mm. why can't we have it mm -hmm. well I, I learned why yeah because it was technical quite technically different like difficult to produce or what do you think the, the reason was um I think that that among other reasons so it's yep. in a little red paper cup yeah um, so there's that and it um it, it requires the spouts to pass a slurry of peanut and chocolate through them mm -hmm. and uh, modern factories aren't built with spouts of that uh circumference right yeah uh, so yeah those are the main main reasons the company that made it had been purchased by a quebec company yeah okay so, so someone out of their heritage experience mm -hmm. so that company didn't value that item so mm -hmm. it just was a line item to them of something they never heard of so it was a financial decision could be. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for us to believe that something that was making a million dollars a year, which it was profiting, the factory that made this was profiting a million dollars a year. Yeah. Um, and I've talked to the kids of the manager of the factory. So we, right. we know this is true that uh, it was in Winnipeg. But to someone who wants to make more than a million a year, mm. the fact that you're making a million a year, that, that's not good. Yeah, let's, that's peanuts on the grand scale of things, everyone off, yeah. bash yep. this thing down, yep. harvest a few of the recipes, tromp them off to Quebec mm -hmm. and make some jobs for Quebecers out of that yep. and just leave, yeah, scorched earth and lay all these people off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a um, it's an unfortunate side effect of acquis acquisitions and mergers, isn't it? You know, it's it's not an uncommon story. Um, so I mean, I just wanted to dig back into sort of your mum's past as well. So like, as a as a child growing up in Canada, what was it about this Cuban lunch that sort of that she loved? Was it the you know the combination of the peanuts and the chocolates, or was it the memories that it you know gave to her, or what was it exactly? Yeah, I think the I think the memories of it back when there were very few chocolate bars this one mm. back when making something local actually made it cheaper mm. concept mm -hmm. so because it was made in winnipeg people growing up in saskatchewan could get it for five cents right long after chocolate bars made by hershey had moved on and were now 10 cents 
So it was an economical treat during the dirty thirties. Mm. Um, they stopped making it during the war because of sugar rationing. And then it came back again after the war. Um, I had one lady who was in a convent school in Saskatchewan say how they weren't allowed any treats all week long, except on Saturdays, they were allowed to buy treats. And then the head nun would sell these Cuban lunches to them because the head nun figured out there was money to be made. So yeah. the kids Cuban lunches. So yeah, the people could afford this one treat and um we just didn't have a regular right i probably eat chocolate you know every day or two nowadays in the modern yep. world even on yep. a diet yeah and back then you'd have chocolate maybe once a month when your family wow. drove to town yeah because we've got to remember back then the majority of canadians didn't live in cities yeah so no the majority of canadians were not a walking distance from a store mm. even if they'd had plenty of nickels mm. Right? They weren't within distance to go and use that nickel. Mm. So it was when your family drove to town for that shopping trip. It was that every two weeks or every four weeks. And often a family of six would share one chocolate bar. The stories I mm -hmm. get, it's just amazing. Yeah. It blows my mind the amount of abundance that we have in our lives right now. And we are so blind to it. Like we're so blind to the abundance and the availability of the variety of the food and the speed to which we can get it into our mouths. You know, it's insane. Uh, you just like have to walk through a grocery store and, or, you know, jump online and look at any online retailer. And it's just the amount of variety out there is unheard of. And this is a relatively new thing in the whole grand scheme of things. And, you know, head back to the depression or the thirties and, you know, there were shortages on food, there were rations, there were food stamps in a lot of cases throughout the war. So I can imagine that the pleasure that a little chocolate bar could bring to somebody's life would have been immense. Yeah. You just didn't get a, a sweet thing on a regular basis yeah. yeah yeah no it was it was very special even in the even in the 50s and 60s it was a very special thing mm -hmm. so. so you decided to take it on yes I, I i joined some of these platforms and discussed it with other people but they were all just about talking yeah and yeah. um yeah i was raised by a practical person who's there's only so much talking before there's some doing was that your mum or your dad oh they're both pretty practical okay yeah what <laughs> yeah. Where, what what background did they come from uh, my mom is your you know standard british irish and my dad is from a um mennonite background uh yeah a displaced person from yeah uh, escaped from uh, uh the soviet union wow okay yep. wow i can imagine they'd have some stories to tell yeah, you know what? That was often a generation, though, that yeah, shut the didn't heck talk. up and moved I on. Know. Right. I know. So the idea that someone would want to learn these stories that just brought them pain. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. And so when did they um when did they come across to Canada? It was 1913. Let's see, his older brother was already born. Right. 1930, 1926. Yeah. 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 Around that time that they Wow. I mean, he may have accidentally stolen a friend of his paperwork out of the locker to make it across. Which All right. Was a little bit embarrassing he did that, but you needed a certain amount of paperwork accumulated to escape. You've Russia. got to do these things to survive. And yeah. He, yeah. Him and his friend were saving them in a locker and he, he may have accidentally took off with his friend's paperwork. The good part of the story is the friend did eventually make Made it out of too. Russia too. <laughs> so it just shows yeah. how desperate they were. Yes. And, to get and, out. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Things people will do that aren't strictly speaking, maybe according to the laws of our land, mm. to come to our land and mm. ultimately still make our land better and richer. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, I just don't, you know, 
communist the communist sort of regime that was um you know motoring along back then was horrific and the the lives that people led back then were just so oppressed and and horrific as well and i know that there's a, a huge push to sort of erase our history at the moment which is really scary because there's a lot of lessons to be learned from the past and i think that you know you speak to somebody from um a communist or a socialist country and it's it's failed dismally and uh, the amount of pain that it, it actually put on those people can't be forgotten because otherwise those mistakes are going to be made again. Forget it. Yeah, you're doomed, can't forget it. doomed to repeat it. Absolutely. I know. I know. Yeah. So I understand that, you know, that generation was one to sort of just move on and forget about things. But I think that the pain that he probably encountered in his um, early years probably had an impact on your life as well. Oh, I think so. Indubitably. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he suffered with depression, my dad, a lot of uh, a lot of my childhood. And then as an adult, you're going to make me cry, Hayden. And then as an adult, asking him sometimes, like, why weren't you emotionally available to me during yeah. time of my life? And then my dad saying, Crystal, I was so depressed. Yeah. I mean, it's a wonder I didn't take my own life, yeah. what I was going through, that, yeah, you were five years old and you wanted me to read you bedtime stories and I just didn't have the emotional capacity to do it anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, Oh, wow. Just, yeah. 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 What that yeah. generation went and they just, they were able to be that game changer though. Yeah. They went from that yeah. to bring us to this. Mm. And, and, and that just oh, brings me back to why it was so mm -hmm. important to have this love offering to our greatest generation, mm. which is the Cuban lunch. Yeah. That's what it is. It's such a small thing. But it means so much, doesn't it? Like a memory, like a great memory. I When I think of like both, well, all of my grandparents, to be honest, like they grew up in the 20s and 30s throughout that, um, you know, generation. And uh, my grandfather went off to World War II. And when I think of my, my pa, my dad's dad, and what he used to enjoy, he used to enjoy rum and raisin chocolate. Yeah. Dark chocolate. He'd love it. Uh, he would have um, white bread uh, with whipped cream and jam and butter. Like he, that would be something that like Nan would make him as a, you know, after lunch dessert. And when we were kids having lunch, it was like, that was just so special. Uh, he'd have tea with um, milk and sugar. Like he was a real sweet tooth. Um, so like, that's what I think of when I think of Pa. And when I think of my Nana Thompson, her background was, um, Northern Italian. So her dad came out from, well, actually he was born in Australia, but his whole side of the family, um, came out from Italy and with them, they bought their, um, their food and their culture to some degree. And they were making their bulbore sausages. And that sort of was something that I had as a child. So like food, just like, it, it just flows through you know, the culture and through the families and it's amazing the impact that it has, but yeah, it generates memories like a smell or a, a flavor, a taste can just take you right back to those early days. Can't it? Yeah, precisely. Yeah. And that's what we found even <laughs> radio announcer in, in, in Saskatoon, he would hold the chocolate bar up to the uh, microphone and crinkle the sides of that paper <laughs> as you pull it down. And he'd say to his listeners, do you hear that? Yeah. 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 And you instantly yeah. have that memory. That's funny. Yeah. Awesome. So you had the idea. You're like, all right, I'm going to do something about this. So where did you start? Did you start in your own kitchen? Did you get out and have conversations with co-packers? Like, where did you go? We started out in our own kitchen trying a few recipes we found online because resourceful mm -hmm. gals everywhere had, you know, uh, put out their own recipes in various mm -hmm. formats and you could find that. And 
it, it had morphed a bit over mm. the years. We had to do a little research and drill down and find mm. out there was no uh, Rice Krispies. There was no potato chips in there. It was just peanuts and chocolates. And then we um, took a food handling course because my husband said, no, no one on their, in their right mind is ever going to buy food from us, Crystal. We don't have any food prerequisites at all. So we did take a food handling course and yeah. get certified. And then we had to rent a commercial kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. And find one that was, you know, economically feasible. And mm -hmm. then we would uh, go out on our Saturdays and just make Cuban lunches until our joints ache too much to keep going. And then yeah. pile it all in the car at the end. We have to preheat the car to be the right temperature, of course, because you don't shock these chocolates. And then then sell them during the week to I had imagined it would be to people, but it wasn't. It was almost immediately to stores. Right. And right. those, I couldn't keep up with selling them to the stores to the amount of stores that would contact me that week. There's so too I much demand. Able, yeah, I might be able wow. to sell to five stores that week, but, you know, 10 would join the list. In the yeah. yeah. I said, well, this isn't getting me anywhere at all. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, oh, that's amazing. And so um were there any technical difficulties? Did you manage to nail down the exact flavor? Like, you know, according to people's memory, like did you have to make some iterations on it according to the feedback that you got? We did we did iterations and we're still iterating a little. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What was the biggest challenge? Was it the peanut supply, like the right peanuts, the roast level of the peanuts or the chocolate, mm -hmm. or what was it? Chocolate's hard to work with. Yeah, so I think I've it was actually that. just the physical <laughs> mechanics. The yeah. first ones wanted to form a, the shape of a dog bone in the little wrapper. Okay. Yeah. So what we learned is if that wrapper's not in a form or a mold, yeah. um, it will pull in at the sides and you'll be left with this lovely little dog bone shape. Yeah. Which luckily with Cuban lunch, you can melt the chocolate down again and try again. But yeah. I was very disappointed when you'd pour it into this square and yeah. it would into this dog bone shape. Yeah, yeah. So you're cover. not the you're not the first guest that I've had on that's worked with chocolate. Most recently we had Amber from Rock Coast over on the island. I was lucky enough to have Jake Carls from Midday Squares on which was a great conversation. Uh Kristen uh, from Summit I always get this it's a tongue twister Seven Summit Snacks and I also had Susie York formerly from Good Fats uh who's just started her own chocolate company called um The Better Chocolate. So you're the fifth right. person to have on, and I do totally understand now or have appreciation for the technical um, requirements of chocolate and temperature and all of that kind of stuff just to to nail it down. So, you know, when you were working with the chocolate and you wanted to create consistency, obviously I can imagine the first probably dozen or more uh, times you went to produce the chocolates, there was inconsistency in it. But what have you sort of done to create consistency in the product now? It is made at a co-packer now. Got you. Okay. Yeah. At what point did you realize that that was something you had to do? Oh, wasn't too many weekends in before we realized <laughs> the demand is growing faster than yeah, the supply cool. for what sure. What a good problem to encounter. <laughs> but finding you need a co-manufacturer in chocolate and finding a co-manufacturer are not on any level synchronous in time, yeah, right? I mean, look at right. these squares. Yeah. They've raised millions of dollars to build their own facility because everyone mm -hmm. told them to bug off. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so what about packaging? How are you packaging it up and getting it into people's hands? Was that something else that was sort of historically correct? You was sort of oh, yeah. re aligning yeah, with it all too? It's a, it's a historically correct wrapper and it is, it, again, total pain in the butt. So okay. if you're a graphic artist and you've got a screen in front of you, you're designing someone's wrapper. Yeah. 
and the wrapper is clear, clear is nothing. Mm. But the screen on a computer is never going to show you nothing. It'll show you the white background of the screen. Mm -hmm. So whenever we would have to exchange examples of what the wrapper the looks like to yeah. one another, we she'd have to slide a chocolate brown mm -hmm. color behind it. So yep. you'd see what it would look like in the foreground with a chocolate brown yep. behind the clear aspect. And every single time the recipient would go, oh, so the wrapper's brown. No, the wrapper is clear. Yeah, yep. <laughs> You're going to see brown beyond it. Yeah, So yep. yes, back, back in, you, do you know they didn't even put wrappers on them before the, the 60s. Okay. How did they I package them up? Furious. Well, they yep. were in that little red cup, so that should be enough. Right. And they had so much wax in them that despite there not being any air conditioning in Canada, <laughs> they would stay in one piece and they would ship them out without a wrapper. A wrapper Just in a, a box. relative newcomer. Yes. Like yeah. that. Yeah. A yeah. wrapper is a newcomer to our food mm. system. Yeah, in, it is. Um, yeah. 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Cellophane was uh, like the first, it, like a, launch into the world with uh, flexible packaging like that and cellophane mm -hmm. back in the day was made from cellulose which is a wood fiber pulp and it was essentially like a clear wood paper you could look at it like a clear paper and mm -hmm. uh and to this day you can still access that material um there are companies out there call it like for example um nature flex and uh and it's a compostable material which yes, of is. course it's, it is yeah it's rather eco-friendly in that mm -hmm. regard mm -hmm. yeah so um we knew what design wise we needed mm -hmm. because we were going to em emulate that old wrapper another thing mm -hmm. is nowadays you'd never do a clear wrapper because the sun coming in damages yeah melts it too. oh yeah of although, course yeah yeah although yeah. the kind bar is was was the only bar at the time that i looked at that had any portion of it clear so mm -hmm. the kind bar i think did it because they were when they were new and emerging no one knew what a kind bar was and they wanted people to see what they were getting yeah yeah. So we went, found our co-packer in Delta and the co-packer told us about packaging options and who would be able to make this. Mm. And we, um, like two, um, two little <laughs> ducks with our peach fuzz on, we just said, okay. <laughs> and, uh, we followed along with what their suggestion was for. Right. Right. And was it a film? It was at a film and they put it through a flow wrapper. That's how they packaged it up. Yes. Yeah. Mm, that's yeah. Right. That's really efficient. That's cool. Yeah. Very good. So you managed to get the little red cups as well. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. There <laughs> was some definite. I had my first anxiety attack of my life with those red cups. They, You've got to make a metal punch yeah. uh, to form them. Yeah. And that metal punch, they'll charge you like fifteen to $20,000 Canadian to make that. Oh, wow. And if they charge you less, it's because they're making it with some crappy thing that's going to break. Mm -hmm. So we started out with some guy who did a crappy thing that broke, and then he just started making them whatever shape he wanted. And so the factory opened them up one day, and they were just this completely different, off by three millimeters in every direction. It wouldn't work. Yeah. And uh, that was a big delay. Then we, we basically just had to cry on the phone to our packager. They had to dig down, ask everyone in the office who could make this and finally found jj marshall in quebec mm -hmm. and they make our uh they made a punch for us and then uh, they started making uh, the things and then that punch broke and that punch broke and that punch broke that's the point where i had the breakdown 
And then my husband stopped telling me about the punches breaking and apparently five punches broke before they eventually <laughs> got them made. Yeah. And by this time, my my assistant had taken Facebook off my phone and yeah. taken alerts off because people were just inundating me with these requests like my uncle is on he's on dialysis and he only has two weeks to live and he just needs his chocolate bar. I don't need it. And I couldn't oh. make it mm. because these punches were breaking. Mm hmm. Oh, it was awful. It would have been hard. Yeah, yeah. But oh. welcome to entrepreneurship, hey? They're the punches yeah. that you got to roll with. Yeah. So yeah. it sounds well, like you got yeah. the... Oh, you got... Food entrepreneurship because yeah. I'm an entrepreneur in physical therapy and I own a clinic and this yeah. had never happened to me in that world. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's definitely a common theme on this podcast that it's a hell of an uphill battle just to get something into your hands, you know, whether it's a, a time crunch, you know, and you're trying to meet timelines or there's some, you know... Uh, price increases that come through and that's really common as well that you have to sort of like work into everything so you finally got the little red cups you got your packaging sorted you found a co-packer and now where are you at like how many retailers have you got selling the product out in the world now mm. dozens oh many more than dozens yeah. okay awesome so yeah, it's a hell we, of a success story we we sell yeah, you know, like um, maybe 750000 a year would be conservative. Wow. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and that's happened relatively quickly because you launched in 2017. Oh, yeah, the first year we sold over a million. I mean, yeah, that's not – see, I wasn't introducing a new product into the world. No, yeah. Like, I was tapping into something that was in the hearts and yeah. minds of yeah. already. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to tell them what this was. Mm -hmm. I didn't even let the people at Sobe taste it before they listed it. If you yeah. can believe that. Yeah. They opened the box. I had four samples there that the factory yeah. had sent me. Yeah. The manager looked at them and went, turned it over, saw that it had a, a skew code right yeah. on the back. Yeah. Said, yep, yeah. yeah, that's a Cuban lunch. Sat Let's down do and listed it. Unbelievable. And how did you get in front of all of these buyers? That's just a local. See, there was a local foods program. Right. Here at my local Safeway. So that was okay. my local Safeway manager. Shout yeah. out. Okay, cool. So, you know, um, being new to the food industry and the processing industry and getting started in this world, I can imagine would have been pretty daunting, as you said before, like, you know, you were, this was totally something out of left field for you. Who did you sort of lean on? Where did you get all of your insights from? And, and who do you sort of, um, who do you work with to sort of give you a leg up? Well, I think we started out I don't know if anyone has watched our Dragon's Den episode, but well, I was gonna, lost. I was gonna, I was leading to that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty lost for the first couple of years. So yeah, I followed people on LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. I followed the followed the story of Susie York. But Susie York started out and she'd been in this business for she decades had. and decades yeah. and decades. I wasn't yeah. gonna have her. She is a marketing but I genius. From it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I can learn from it. And she also sculpts her message, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, um, so you hear what she puts out to mm -hmm. the world, right? Yep. You don't hear the back workings of all the crap she goes through all the time. And now in some of her talks since then, she's got into some of the co-man episodes, mm. right? Where the goo wouldn't squeeze and all oh, that. Oh, yeah. And they're important stories, yeah. you know, for uh, everybody to hear just to sort yes. of like normalize the fact that you're, you've gone through it. Susie went through it. Everybody's gone through it. Like that's yeah. just part it's of important. it. All. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. So then when we were on Dragon's Den, actually, I don't know if this got called the cutting room floor, but Arlene Dickinson says, basically what you said to me, like, well, who who's your mentor who's teaching you? And, and the answer was nobody. Like girlfriend, I follow you on LinkedIn. Like that's it. Like yeah. they very quickly figured out, okay, these two don't know what they're doing. 
Um, <laughs> so <laughs> shortly after the show, we did find a absolutely wonderful food broker to yeah. guide us through. Yeah, good. Um, and not that anyone's perfect. He's probably uh, maybe too optimistic as maybe is that a thing with food brokers? I don't know. But anyway, he's he's a super knowledgeable depth. Everybody I talked to from proper Procter and Gamble says, "Oh, I worked with him back in the yep. day." So, yeah, yeah. So we found someone who's awesome. Like when I first talked to him on the phone and hung up, I said to my husband, "Oh, honey, I think he's the one." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he has been for us. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! So you're selling over a million bars. What, like, where are your current outputs at the moment? Are you still over a million bars right now a year? It's, it's settled about 750,000 like I said because right when people gone 27 years and they can't get the thing yeah and then you bring out the thing they need a lot of of a thing yeah oh heck yeah yeah Yeah. and then once they realize oh no every time I go to Safeway it's gonna be there (laughs) every time I go to co-op it's gonna be there yeah um less so save on for some reason and we're my broker's working on that yeah but uh you know every time I go to 7-eleven or go to Circle K it's gonna be there Mm -hmm. then they don't buy a huge box at a time so mm-hmm. you go from that first peak of a yeah. year yeah and then you find where you settle out yeah and we found that with our second chocolate bar as well the rum and butter mm-hmm. and so yeah I'm, I'm sure that'll play out with each one yeah uh, including yeah. our next one yeah very cool so i can imagine that the um the chocolate bar is not worth five cents anymore <laughs> right. So how did you go uh pricing the product out like did you use a, a bottom up or a top down or how did you price it Okay, Arlene Dickinson also said this was stupid. Sorry, Arlene, but you did. And it was, but this is still what we did. So we said to Sobeys, this is what we think. And Sobeys said, nope, this is what we're going to price it at. Oh, so, so they sort of dictated. Yeah, cool. Yeah, they said, we're going to sell it at $1.99. $1.99. So went, oh, yep, okay, okay, and then they need a percentage of yep. whatever, 29%. Yep. And then then this these people, our broker needs this. And we need blah, 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 blah. And then, yeah. Okay, cool. Kind of went backwards from there. Did that blow your mind, what you were left with at the end of the day? When we started it, I wasn't a total fool. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when we started it, we didn't sell it at lowball prices. Yeah. Because people hadn't had this thing for 27 years. Yeah. And I've got it. So, yeah. <laughs> you pay me for that. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, no, we didn't start at some lowball price, luckily. But, okay, yeah, cool. it's, it's eaten, been eaten away at me in a way. We finally had to take a price increase here um in the last few months and had to take you can tell Sobeys that and they're saying I'm sorry we're in our blackout period yeah exactly we're like yeah. oh so we're waiting for the end of the blackout period yeah. Sobeys and that it is going to go up in Sobeys. okay cool so you figured out your pricing and um and are you just selling them as individual bars or are you selling them in uh in cases or how do you sell them out in the world well we sell them in a master case mm-hmm. to uh the retailer yeah. And a master case of Cuban lunches has 144. Yeah. A master case of rum and butter has 96. So again, right, like you say, Hayden, about oh, it's all about learning. Yeah. So 144 was a bit much. Yeah. So our next one is 96. And then that's working really well. So our next one is going to be 96. So right. We've learned that. And was that just due to the total cost of a case? Or was it? Yes. Total yeah. cost. Um, the weight to lift it, but a lot of it is, and of course, weight to lift it plays into the cost of shipping. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, and, and and trial, because that retailer might be 25. So he doesn't mm. remember chocolate bar from 27 years ago. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how many people tell him this, oh, you got to bring this in, you got to bring this in. 
I've found that some retailers, they've heard that before. Yeah. And they're not going to fall for that again. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're they're not so sure they want to bring in that thing that they've never heard of. And so we we have this box now that's only 96 for them to try. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the I understand. And um so you've got it out in the world and you've decided to extend your line. So you've launched out with the pain, the rum and butter, which I can imagine would be delicious. My favorite uh, ice cream is rum and raisin. Like I love anything rum like cool. that. And uh, and what's the new SKU that you've uh, got coming out? Are you allowed to divulge that yet or is it still Ooh, a secret? Yeah. Our next candy bar is candy bar. So it's yeah. going to be in the USA. Okay, cool. It's a USA heritage brand uh, from the East Coast of the US. Cool. And it is, um, it is in a relationship with a famous person okay so this famous person um yeah is uh is who we had to license the deal ah congratulations okay so you've been out there networking um i guess i mean i just first i asked my lawyer to contact his lawyer well i guess he never calls his lawyer so so much for that and so then i said okay i'm just gonna call call this guy yeah (laughs) because the nice thing about uh celebrities is if they're old enough they're still they'll pick up the phone you know famous no maybe (laughs) this one wasn't that yeah that wasn't this one that's not crazy but yeah so i call but his phone number is on his website or his office phone number that's so funny so i called his office left a voicemail and eventually his personal assistant got back to me and kind of listened to me enough to know okay this woman's not crazy she knows what she's talking about so um then his manager called me so i've never talked to him in person yet and we're almost ready green gave it the green light yeah well he had i made him should I say this? I mean, he had to pay me to do it. Yeah. Right? Because I'm investing a lot. I can imagine. Like yeah. 100,000 times what he's investing. But I yeah. thought he needs to invest something. Yeah. Because I need to know he is in. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, no, I, I did charge him for the initial um, graphics workup from whatever to take his wow. pictures of yeah. his bar and um, make, bring them into the modern age. Because in the 70s, I mean, none of those old pictures were on um, any kind of data that you could yeah. use now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So all had to be redone by the graphic artist. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So how did you structure this deal if it's not divulging too much information? Because I can imagine here, listen to it from my perspective. I've got someone famous that I want to work with. I've got a product that I want them to, you know, launch, you know, assist and launch out in the world and carry their name. So I contact their manager and I'm like, hey, I've got this product. And they're like, yeah, that's cool. That sounds good. And then I managed to get them to invest into my business without even talking to them. How do you do that? You missed a step. Yeah, here we he, go. He had this bar before in the uh, 70s okay. and 80s. Right, right, he right. He had it and it's dear to his heart. Okay. And I, this is what I think I've done that maybe people need to start doing. I went into the trademark system. Yep. That's how I started with Cuban Lounge. I went in the trademark system. Oh, look, the trademark's just sitting there and you can apply for it for $250. Um, and poor Arlene, I am picking on her today, but Arlene said, and there's a sound clip on the CBC saying, you only pay $250 for this. No, you pay $250 to apply. But then if you're granted it, you pay a bunch more money. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's only $250 to apply for a trademark in Canada. In the right. States, it's like 1000 But So I looked up applying for the trademark, which is this man's name. Yeah. And I looked it up, and dang, someone had applied for it four months before me. Weird. But, and then I asked my lawyer to look into it, and he said that person who had applied for it three months before me was the celebrity himself. So I'm like, ooh, uh-huh. ooh, he wants it. He wants it. Okay, I can give it to him. So... I phoned, spoke with his assistant, then his manager, and 
like a typical Canadian, you know, um, the manager's like, yeah, well, we're in talks with this blah, blah chocolate company about making that chocolate bar. And I'm like, typical Canadian, I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to take anybody else's deal. Oh, no, if that's their deal, you know, you just go ahead. I don't I don't want to be a bother. But it's just like if you're still looking for people to make proposals, I am willing to make one. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're looking for people to make proposals because this other chocolate bar company is being really kooky. Yeah. Yeah. So you're <laughs> so, a wheeler and dealer. So <laughs> this is awesome. So yeah. you managed to put a proposal down and it sounded like an offer that I'm sure was extremely attractive to the celebrity. What's in it for them? Well, we're going to we're going to pay them licensing fees off all cool. the chocolate bars. All right, yeah. so they'll it's a make, they'll agreement. make their little tidbit off each one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. All right, I was wondering how it was set up. Cool. So it's a licensing fee. Um, awesome. Well, that's really smart, Crystal. That's awesome. You've got yeah, you're a wheeler and dealer. Where did you get that from? I don't know. I don't know. That's just uh, you like making deals. Yeah, I don't know. It's it. it my husband said I couldn't do it. So there's, right? Good. So there's we're watching That's the chip on your shoulder. Yeah. TV watch, show. Hold my beer, some people would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're watching this TV show one day. And yeah. We rented this apartment in Calgary uh, during COVID, this condo up in the skyline, because there was yeah. nothing else you could do during COVID that was yeah, fun. Yeah. And it has all these TV channels we don't normally get. And there's this TV show on food TV. And these yeah. two guys are going to, they try all these crazy foods that they really shouldn't eat because they're poisonous because they're 70 years old. So these two guys uh, are trying these old candy bars yep. that they have dug up on eBay or the yep. producer did. And I said to my husband, I could bring back that candy bar. Mm -hmm. I could do that for him. And uh, my husband famously, no, honey, you're not going to get the deal to bring back that gentleman's chocolate bar. Like, no, no, he's, he's too, he's out of your league. <laughs> Whoa. Um, don't say that to your wife. Wow. He's out of your <laughs> league. <laughs> That's the fun. He may have said out of our league. Okay. Because <laughs> my husband's 50 50 owner of this company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So he uh he he was the spark that lit that fire that said, watch this. Okay, cool. So you're the kind of person that needs like a a, a, a motivation like that to get things done. I guess yeah. so, yes. A okay. motivation of some kind. Like yeah. I say, my yeah. your mom, that's a powerful motivator. The yeah, second chocolate bar was my husband's favorite when he was a little guy. Yep. The rub and butter. And yes. And then this next one is, yeah. Cause my husband said I couldn't do it. Mm. You know what I grew up loving and I, you can still get it now, but not so much in Canada, but in Australia, it's a Turkish delight chocolate bar. Oh yeah. Oh, just that and would those be are my go-to the Turkish delight. I love delight. them or hate them thing. I like, know. Right? There's and that. I love them. Post yep. that on Twitter and you'll get a million people telling you you're insane. And then a million people. Yeah. Delicious. No, this was a Turkish Delight chocolate bar. Well, it was Turkish Delight and it was coated in chocolate and it came sitting in this little cardboard tray sleeve and then it had its like flexible packaging wrapper out on the outside and you'd tear it open, you'd take it out and that was the best. And my mum's favourite, um, well, it was actually like an ice cream. She, my mum's a New Zealander. And when she was growing up, there was an ice cream in New Zealand called a jelly tip ice cream. And it was like a jelly tip ice cream yeah so jelly j-e-l-l-y yeah jelly tip ice cream okay well i'm gonna text that to myself oh yeah i it's may have good. to research that yeah <laughs> so that you can still get it but it's it's changed over the years in new zealand but it's like think of like a, a vanilla like a magnum think of like a vanilla magnum but about a third of the tip is like jelly or like kind of like a turkish delight and then it's dipped in chocolate 
that is awesome. And, and then and dipped in chocolate. Chocolate, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's then called a jelly tip ice cream. What's ice cream. Yep. And then whenever my grandparents would go back to New Zealand and come back, they'd bring back a treat for my sister and I, and it was a marshmallow fish. It's like a marshmallow, choc- like marshmallow dipped in chocolate, and it was shaped like a fish, like a sardine, weirdly, like a, a long fish, and they were the best. They were the best. Wow. It's wow. funny. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yes. it's funny. Candy from or chocolates or sweets from the childhood just, yeah, takes you back, doesn't it? It, it does. It, 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 mm. There must be so much part of the human brain that is mm-hmm. devoted to um food and flavor and mm-hmm. family memories mm-hmm. i find the family memories that it evokes mm-hmm. it's very it's very intergenerational yeah um, it's very share this with your kids yeah yeah um, yeah and we need to definitely provoke more of that as you and i started this conversation about how that generation yeah didn't share a lot verbally but shared their food mm. um we now share more verbally so mm. let's share you associate food. it with that food and you're yeah. going to get that in those synapses and that's going to be in there yeah 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 yeah, yeah i uh i cook a lot well I, I cook the vast majority of the meals in our household and i do draw a lot of my inspiration from my mum and my grandmother's cooking on both sides the other night we had um we had family over and i just needed to throw to quick together a quick meal and a meal that my nana thompson used to make the one with the italian heritage they used to make this like garlic butter pasta so you'd get yeah so what you do is you'd get potatoes she used to boil the potatoes but i roast my potatoes and then you'd get your pasta and you'd run it through garlic butter and then you'd finish it with the roasted potatoes and just toss it all together and it's a really quick and cheap meal but that just it's the best and my dad used to grow up as well how do you get a thompson being from italy oh so well so my nana was a finozio her last name was finozio but she married my pa who was a thompson Gotcha. <clears throat> and that's my dad's family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Just, uh, yeah. And then my mum, when I came out to Australia, uh, sorry, when I came out to Canada with my wife again, um, sort of for more of a permanent stay in 2015, uh, my family, my mum put together a family recipe book. So it was like a blank recipe book and she wrote all of the family recipes in it. Sweets, like Christmas cake, like everything you can imagine that I basically grew oh. up with on both, like anything that was special is in that recipe book and it sits pride of place in our kitchen. Mm. Whoa, it's a special I, book. I hope yeah. you photograph the page of the kitchen house burns down. Well, knock on wood that the house isn't going to burn down. I haven't taken oh, photos seriously. of the pages, but you're right. I should, shouldn't I? I've, oh, you I've, should. That's yeah, important. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that bull ball recipe, that pork and beef sausage that I was telling you about that my Nana Thompson's family grew up making, um, mm-hmm. she hand wrote that recipe out for me. And I've got that piece of paper. It sits in that recipe book and it's for a hundred pounds of sausage. <laughs> now that's a family yeah you gotta go you gotta go to a butcher like you'd have to take it to a butcher and get them to make it for you but you'd take a delivery of 100 pounds of sausage and what they used to do is they would take it down into their kitchen cellar downstairs and they would dry it and my dad would tell stories of like they're just being bunches of these sausages sort of with that white mold on it like you know that white coating that we get and they'd slice it up like salami or you would boil them and uh you know you cook them up that way it's funny you could eat it a couple of different ways Mm. Mm-hmm. I think they I've had that mm. from the Italian Center. Probably, um, yeah. We have some grocery <laughs> chain in Alberta called the Italian Center. Got you. And we've yeah. had that uh, from there. It's delish. Yeah. They've got one or two varieties. Oh, 
Yeah, awesome. with the equipped with the white edges and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're rectangular. Are they? Get around. Yeah. yeah. So I Weird. like is it where they're stored or whatever? Oh, yeah. Store better, squished flat or whatever. Interesting. Well, yeah. So tell me a little bit more. So you've obviously seen some success with the Cuban launch. You've got rum and butter out there and you're not too far away from launching out your third SKU, which is really exciting. Where are you taking this business? Are you sort of just collecting ideas and you're like, I'm enjoying this ride and it's fun? Or is it like, what are you doing? It's extraordinarily hard to find a co-manufacturer in Canada, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's pretty dependent on finding that. Right. So if I found a co-manufacturer who'd make, say, the Wigwag for us, so Wigwag's an old Canadian bar. Okay. Um, that's um, not completely unlike a Curly Whirly, if you've seen a Curly Whirly from yeah, UK. Yeah, I know what they are. Yep, yep. So we own the rights to Wigwag in Canada, but oh, cool. we can't find any co-packer who can make, make it. it. Interesting. Yeah. We found the fellow whose dad invented the machine back in the day. His dad would invent machines down in their basement in Ontario for maybe mm. um, for Nielsen chocolate mm. back then. Mm -hmm. And um, his dad invented the way the stuff would ooze out and the way it would stretch and how it it's a it's a yeah like a pattern. like a plot yeah I know the one we've got yeah yep so it's uh it, but no machine will make that so we've met <laughs> met the gentleman who invented it but that doesn't mean that anyone has that machine now. Mm. So uh, we don't we don't have anyone to make that brand for us, and we own a few other trademarks. That when the right you know when the right one comes along, we will make some of these other chocolate bars if if the right one ever does come along. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about this trademarking process. So you're going onto a registry and you're just like you know just searching and seeing what's available, and then if something piques well, your interest, you're picking it up, or how does it work? Well, I mean. I ate candy bars and I am old. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm thinking of some names that, yeah. as I come across or, or people will write them into me. Yeah. Like, oh, Kristen, well, this favorite one of mine. And um, so uh, the Pep Chew is another one that we've gotten our hands on that uh, a gentleman from a BC was going to bring back. But then when he realized that he couldn't, he stepped back and let us buy the trademark. So, yeah, we just... You hear about in our industry, old trademark names, you remember them, you go online, you see them on TV, mm -hmm. and you go online, the Canadian Intellectual Property Office, mm -hmm. and make sure you're at the Government of Canada site. And it's just free to look through and see which names are taken, which ones are in process, mm -hmm. right, which ones are being challenged, that you can just see it all on your screen. An American mm -hmm. system is called TESS, T-E-S-S, -S, Trademark Electronic Something System, I think. Okay. So, um, and that's how I found out about the American candy mm -hmm. bar name. So yeah, these, these things, governments operate them so that they're free for people to take a look at. And then when you see that one's available, then you get a, a in this case, we now use a trademark lawyer right. back in the day where our first one, it was simple to apply online, but the, saying that I tried to apply at our trademark office here in my little town, a little city, it's a city mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. And I went into the a license bureau here in town that sells, I bought my trademark for my physical therapy clinic from these people. Yeah. And I went in and I said, I want to buy this trademark. Here it is. And I handed over the girl and it says Cuban lunch. She says, well, I can't sell you that. I'm like, well, why not? It's available. What's the Cuban lunch? Like she's not going to sell the Cuban lunch heritage branding, just some chick she knows from across town. She wasn't going to sell it to me. I said, well, could you talk to your manager in the back, please? I'm, I'm sure I can buy this. Nope. They weren't going to sell that to me. Mm -mm, no. Uh-uh. So 
I didn't think that it would be sort of something that could be debated. It's either for sale or it's not. But yeah. that's what you're up against. So my husband went online. And then I went to a lawyer and he says, well, it's beneath me. You can just do it online. Yeah. So my husband did it online. Now they've made it complex enough. You do need that lawyer and lawyers will take right. the case. So we have mm. a lawyer in Calgary field, field law. Mm. Uh, has trademark specialists there that are dual certified, Canada and US. Cool. That's handy. So, Kill two birds yeah. with one stone. Lisa. So, Lisa. okay. So, hypothetically, say somebody that is listening goes onto the Canadian IP office and they're searching for a trademark and they're like, that is the one. That's the one that I want to trademark. So, what's the process? You go to your lawyer and then obviously they fill out all of the documentation. And then, what kind of fees are involved? Like, is this an expensive process once you get the lawyer involved I think as well? In the grand scheme of things, in chocolate, it's not. Like, yeah. in, in maybe in other food industries where you can start out really small, but you can't start out small in chocolate. You either no. raise a quarter of a million dollars or go home. Yeah. Yeah. Because every run of chocolate in a co-man is going to be a quarter million. Virtually. Yes. That's what I was going to ask next. What are the so MOQs? Yeah. Given that that's, you know, already the, level of decimals you're working with. Mm -hmm. No, it's not a lot. I don't know. It's certainly more than 250 now to apply, but um, mm -hmm. it maybe it's a thousand. And then when you go through the process and it's awarded to you, you have to send some more money in at that point, but it's still Got only, you. yeah, I don't know, a few thousand dollars. Got you. Okay. Like uh, I would say under five yeah. to apply yeah. for these marks that in the case of the Cuban lunch, it's been around for decades and decades and decades. Like it was a huge. It was a hugely good deal. I yeah. won't say it wasn't yeah. for us yeah. to get 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 permission, frankly, and be trusted yeah. with this special thing. I yeah. mean, I don't know. You have kids, Hayden. I don't. I do. Yeah, I've got two. Yeah, you do. Right. It's a special thing to be entrusted with this kid's life, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to curate and foster that for as long mm -hmm. as you can, and they're going to be great. Yes. And it's the same with the Cuban lunch. Yeah. I happen to have the rights to be its parent right now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to go on long after I'm gone. Yeah. 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 You're kind of a uh, what would you call it? There's a word for that. Kind of like a um. You've been entrusted with yeah the yeah. the legacy like you're the leg you're holding on to a legacy right now and you're going to pass it on that's really cool yeah 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 that's and you can cool. tell some people are like what gives you the right to hold on to my like it's a piece of their heart mm. and I'm like hey I'm trying I really am earnestly trying to do the best with it thing yeah. like it could have fallen to some cheesy half wit who would yeah. have just grounded into the ground yeah so. yeah. That's cool. Now, if you had the opportunity to go back to before you started with the knowledge that you have now, what business advice would you give yourself? Boy, oh boy, oh boy. How slow things really go, mm. which I think a lot of your guests say, because I've mm. listened to a bunch of your podcasts. And just the co-packers in Canada, they, they don't need you. Mm. There's a lot of people that want them. Mm -hmm. And they are really like the lords of their own fiefdom almost, right? And you're trying to put forward something that is interesting to them. So the gentleman who owned our co-packer in Lower Mainland had made chocolate here in Canada since the 80s and before that in his homeland of Germany. Mm -hmm. He had never heard of the Cuban lunch. Mm -hmm. He went online and found a picture of a Cuban lunch. And then he confronts me with this. He says, see, you've just downloaded this picture offline. That's what you sent me about your product. I said, no, that picture online, I downloaded that. It's my product online. Yeah. I took that picture in my kitchen floor. Oh, you uploaded it. You put it online. Oh, yes. He, yeah, that's mine. <laughs> so they're mine. <laughs> I do great. own this brand. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so he took it to the head of production. 
yeah. who was a Canadian and had yeah. lived there all her life and obviously eaten at a little lower palate level than himself, right? Because right. he's a chocolatier and he eats European From Germany. marvelous yeah. chocolates all day, I guess. Yeah. And so he went and talked to the head of his production and the production person was like, oh yeah, I know what that is. Oh yeah, Kim Lynch, yeah. So I, I, I wonder if they'd have ever taken us if that dear little production person yeah. hadn't spoken up and said, oh yeah, that's that's a thing here in Canada. It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't know, did they not even look at the chocolate bars as they're going through Safeway line? But they don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different niche, I guess, isn't it? It's yeah. a different world. And maybe yeah. they're not shopping at Safeway. I don't yeah. know. I get it. Like when I was working in coffee, like it was considered the company that I was working for, Salt Spring Coffee, and the, the background of my coffee um, experience is all in specialty coffee. So you're very, very aware of all of the other specialty coffee roasters and who's out in that world that you're competing against. Mm -hmm. I would very, very rarely, if at all, go down the coffee aisle in the grocery store and look at Nabob and, you know, all of the other, you know, why Folgers. would you? Folgers, exactly. And it's not out of, um, there was no need to. It's sort of like it wasn't, it was a different category of coffee. It just didn't interest me. And it was a different um, market and a different consumer that would drink that coffee. And I can imagine that was probably his perspective on chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, now we're in the checkout lanes, right? Yeah. But we hadn't, yeah. it, this product hasn't been in the checkout lanes since 1991, right? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's a long time ago. It's been a while. And like you say, not, not your area of interest. Yeah. You're not maybe scanning because he doesn't consider that to be his genre. Like you yeah. say, yeah. it's not, yeah. that's not his thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Very no, it was cool. cool. And he, he retired a few months in actually. Yeah. yeah. So uh, went out and lived on his yacht, I guess now. So. Amazing. <laughs> All on the back of the Cuban lunch. Well, I mean, we hadn't made them much money by then, so no. I think I think that his, his company must have had some good yeah. some good accounting behind it to uh, be able to very good. Hey, listen, thank you so much for the conversation today. It's it's an amazing story that you're um that you've just told, and I think the the success that. Um, you'd probably agree that you're finding right now is because you've tapped into something very deep within the human spirit. Um, you know, tapping into the memory of a, a beautiful chocolate like the um, the, like the Cuban lunch is obviously something that resonates with a lot of people. So, congratulations on all of your success and all of the battles that you've won, and and good luck for the future. Thank you very much. No worries. Um, if anybody wanted to get in touch and learn a little bit more about what you're doing or the future of what's going on over where you are, um, what's the best way for them to go about it? Uh, cubanlunch.ca okay go to the website contact. and there's a contact page yeah contact I saw that. us button that really works yeah Imagine. that's cool i will um put all of your details and your website down in the show notes for everybody i'll also throw into the show notes the canadian ip office and test down in the states as well for people to check out if they want to go and explore some um trademarks mm -hmm. and uh yeah thank you once again i really enjoyed the conversation thank you super hopefully right. we've done some good we have all right take care crystal bye bye so how many of you are about to run down to a 7-Eleven and get your hands on a Cuban lunch or a rum and butter bar just so that you can see what one of these historic chocolates tastes like? It's exactly what I did and I can tell you right now they are both delicious chocolates. So yeah, episode 111. Thanks again for your time. I really appreciate the time that you take every week to tune into the podcast and I'm looking forward to having you back next week for episode 112. Cheers.